This is On the Line. From the capstone to the plains, in-depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports, all things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on your Saturday morning at 10 a.m. on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Kicks 96.3 and AU100. Appreciate you guys joining us here, whether it is on the air or on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. Pumped to have you guys on the show with us today as SEC football is back today and it'll be kicking off in an hour, Lord willing, right? (laughs) And uh, we've got the full slate of games here for you today that we'll be talking about. Jeremy and I super pumped to have college football back in the Southeast. How you doing today, my man? Doing well, buddy. Glad to be on the show. I'm glad real football is back. We have SEC football kicking off today. We've had some of the uh, some ACC, some big uh, Big Twelve, but now it's it's time for the big boys to get back out on the field in an all SEC slate. I think this is going to be one of the, this is going to turn out to be one of the most fun years of college football for SEC fans. Well, it ought to be a fun night for Alabama folks, including you, Jeremy. 6 p.m. kickoff against the Missouri Tigers. Alabama is favored to win the ball game. Checks notes, 27-point favorites against the Tigers on the road. Once again, 6 p.m. on ESPN. Look, we know Alabama is superior to Missouri in every single way as they step out of the field tonight. How should we watch this game to at least take something more than, oh, Alabama blew out a team, right? Let, let, let's try and dig deeper. What can we pull out of the game? I think, number one, you are going, not maybe not how you should watch it. I think you should watch it like this. I think you should watch it with excitement, but also keep your eyes open to the things that Alabama needed to improve on from last year. Middle linebacker play. I think that's going to be paramount. Obviously, we saw how much Alabama struggled last year without Dylan Moses and those two young guys. Well, he's back. Chris Harris is back. You have Will Anderson coming in on the outside as a true freshman at linebacker. Um, it's going to Chris, um, Chris Allen is also there as well. You're gonna. I think you need to watch this game with excitement, but also watch this game with. Um, Measured expectations. Me, yes, measured expectations. These guys got to get back into the in in just back into the game, back into the rhythm of of the game. The season's been pushed back almost uh, almost a month, so you just got to watch this game. Measured expectations, but just keep your eyes open for the things that you think Alabama should have, should improve on from last year. Number one, better defensive play calling, middle linebackers in position, and on offense, I think you watch it as. Don't just watch Mac Jones complete passes. Watch where he completes passes because that's where you're going to see how much confidence Sarkeesian and this Alabama coaching staff has in their quarterback. If he's if he's if they're challenging him to throw the ball like he did against Auburn, I think you can say, "Oh, they have a lot of confidence." But if you watch that Michigan game, I think the Alabama coaching staff said we put a little too much pressure on Mac in the Iron Bowl. Played well enough to win, also played well enough to lose. They dialed it back. I think we took a step back against Michigan. 
in the bowl game. A lot of dink and dunks behind the line of scrimmage. Very easy throws. I think we completed 10 balls behind the line of scrimmage in that game. So just watch this game and where Mac Jones is asked to throw the football. Outside of the numbers, inside of the numbers, behind the line of scrimmage, deep down the field. And then you as a fan ask yourself, how much different does this offense look compared to when you had somebody like Tua back there? And how different could it look if somebody else was playing quarterback? Do you expect the offense to be intricate, simple, or somewhere in between? I think it's very advanced. Mac Jones has been in the system. He knows what this is going to be like. He was, he's had, he's known, he's known he's the guy since Tua got hurt last year. I think everybody knew Tua was going to go. A lot of people were hopeful that he would stay, but a lot of people knew he would want to go. And now when you think about Mac Jones and how much time he's had to prepare, I know he didn't have a spring, but he's been around these receivers for a long time, especially the top three guys with Mechie, Waddle, and Devonta Smith, and some true freshmen that are coming in, and Treshawn Holden, um, and, and one other guy whose name has just slipped my mind because he's a true freshman. I didn't even bring the depth chart in here. I think it's going to be very advanced, and I think they're going to be able to, to let Mac Jones make some throws. He doesn't have supreme arm strength, much kind of like a Joe Burrow. Not, and you watch, you've seen Joe Burrow in the NFL. Not, not supreme arm strength, but he can place the ball in, a, in, a, in that six-inch radius of the hands that everybody supremely, tells you. Supremely accurate. And I think he, I really do think he's a good decision maker. Those throws against Auburn were just bad throws. It wasn't like this is a horrible decision. You overshot one guy and then had a freak play. I mean. Yeah, I don't I don't think the sec, I don't think the pick six, or the second pick six, I should say, I, I don't think that that one was a poor throw. He threw it on the money if the running back was watching. Nah, and that's not necessarily throw. the running back's he got fault, hit too, but, but he had to get rid of it quick. And he threw it to an open receiver, and it fell off of his back into the hands of a linebacker. That wasn't a bad throw. It was on the money. It was at his chest, you but feel, on his back. Do you feel like Alabama is going to get back to the roots in this game? The early type of Nick Saban. Not, not 08, 09, 10, 11, but maybe when A.J. was a little older, they aired the ball out, but they still had a group of offensive linemen like they have this year who you say it's third, third and three and a half, is still a, it, it can be a rundown this year as opposed to the last few years where third and three and a half Alabama's just got to throw the football. They just didn't have that powerful offensive line, and now they have the best offensive line in the conference. I don't think, to answer the question that I asked you, which this is similar to what we're talking about, I do think in a way it goes back to the original roots, but not pro-style because Alabama was running a pro-style offense when Nick Saban first got there. I even hesitate to say ground and pound back then. It was then. ground and pound. Yeah. Yep. Did they ever run the eye back then? Oh, yeah. We ran. We had, we had the fullback. I See, mean, so I don't even know if it was a pro style because the pro style really doesn't run the eye formation. We, I think it was more of just that true college football ground we and pound. We ran the pro style when AJ became yeah. the court. Great McElroy is under center a bunch. And we debuted, I believe we debuted the pistol with AJ McCarron. Um, so, so I don't, I don't think they go back that far. Yeah. But I definitely think that this is a far cry from the spread offense that we've seen from Alabama the last four years, really now, all the way starting back with Jalen Hurts. Maybe if you want to go back as far as Blake Sims, there's not a running threat at quarterback anymore. And it's even less of a running threat this year, probably, because Mac Jones has been eating cookies and gaining weight, right? And he needs to. His skill set is not run the football. So just completely discard that. From your, from your nif- bag of tricks. He's nifty 
enough. And he had some runs in the Iron Bowl. They got us Alabama some first downs. He's not a statue. He's not fleet of foot either, though. But, I mean, he's not Greg McElroy, but he's also not Blake Sims. He reminds me, uh, can move around the pocket a little bit worse than Jacob Coker. Jacob Coker was a magician in the pocket. I think other teams won't view him as a running threat in any form or fashion. I don't think they have to respect it in any way like they had to respect it with Tua and Jalen Hurts. And I think they had to respect it a little bit more with Hurts than they had to with Tua because Tua would stand in and throw. Tua was such a cerebral quarterback and such a tactician, or I shouldn't even say tactician, he was a surgeon with his arm that he didn't have to run. He could pick you apart with his arm even in the smallest windows. I think that changes this year. I don't think defenses will have to worry about Mac Jones. I think this Alabama offense will be easier to stop or will be easier to key in on from a play calling perspective with Mac Jones at quarterback. That's not me saying he's a bad quarterback. It wouldn't be easier to stop. I think they're going to be harder to stop because a great running back, Najee's a top two round running back, maybe the first, could be, maybe one of the top running backs off the Clyde board. We- Clyde Edwards Hilaire was a first rounder. Why can't Najee Harris be he a first the rounder? He ha- has the best hands for a running back in college football, the best offensive line, and what I would now consider almost a veteran quarterback with some dominant receivers. I think it could be tougher now to know that Alabama is not going to be a 50 50 balance, but balance is being able to do what you want to do. When you need to do it. And I think Alabama has those pieces in place to do what it wants to do. Which is more important for opposing defenses to stop when they're facing Alabama? The rushing attack, which you just said yourself, you don't think it's going to be 50-50 anymore. You think it's it's probably still going to be slanted in favor of the run, which in well, college football, I'll tell you win games. I think it's going to I think it's going to be 64. I, the passing game is when you have athletes like Alabama has on the outside, Javon Baker, one of those, the guy I couldn't remember earlier. You got to give them the ball. And you play, when you pass a lot, you play a lot behind the sticks, which means you pass even more. I think it's going to be a 55-45 pass run offense. I don't think it's going to be heavy, heavy run. But I think Alabama can rely on the run this year when it needs to. And that is trouble for defenses in this league. Because Alabama has been a pass-heavy team and they try to even be a pass-heavy team under Jalen Hurts, and it just didn't work out. And then they've been a 65-35 pass team under Tua. I think that you can get back into the groove of Alabama football, dominant games, keep your defense on the side. Alabama won a lot of national titles by keeping their defense on the sideline. 100%. I mean, I'm expecting a simplistic offense. I really am. I think well, coming like, out of the coronavirus – I think I'm expecting something a little bit more simple. I'm not expecting Mac Jones to have to put in the windows downfield across the intermediate routes. I'm expecting that Michigan-style game plan. Maybe I'm wrong, and if I am wrong, I'll admit it next week, but I'm expecting a Michigan-style game plan that's going to rip Missouri limb from limb, by the way, because they don't have the athletes out on the perimeter to match up with Waddle and uh, Devontae Smith, but... Outside of that, moving forward when the season progresses and Alabama does have to play, well, it's next week, right? They play Texas A&M yeah, next week. Yeah, you don't have time to just – when we talked to Ryan Fowler from Tide 1029, the game in Tuscaloosa a couple months ago, maybe when the pandemic started, we were talking about this QB battle. We were saying that it's probably going to be Mac Jones all the way because there's no spring, and they don't have – if they and that. but when we were talking about that, we still thought the season would start on time. They have now had summer workouts – 
in summer camp, fall camp, fall practice, and then an additional month of fall practice it's true. to install the offense. I don't think it's going to be as basic, but I think it's going to be more physical. I think it's basic because of Mac Jones. But what do you mean by basic because of Mac? I mean, is it we're just going to slant, slant, slant? or I think they're going to be playing laterally a lot with him. I think it's going to be a lot of screens. They showed that in the game against Michigan. I'm expecting the Michigan offensive game plan. Nick Saban's not going to reveal too much in week one anyway. Missouri's still going to get ripped limb from limb, and Alabama's offense, honestly, should be able to cut through them easily. I'm just expecting a simple game plan all year long because I just don't trust Mac Jones to be able to make the throws on a consistent basis with a more vertical passing game. I, I don't think he has that skill set. And you And to your point that you made earlier, part of it's arm strength. And I also don't think we've seen him yet be able to to play that way. He is not going to throw a post-route laser in between Light a corner and a safety. But he's got a pretty deep ball. And Joe Burrow is kind of the same way. When Joe Burrow throws it down the field, it's on a fly. And it, he's, the receiver's normally already by the corner, and he always puts it on the money. Matt Jones throws deep balls almost on the money. But he's not going to, you know... One read, two read, three read, look over in the middle and gun one in there for a touchdown in the red zone. It's just not it's not really who Mac Jones is. I wouldn't call it. It doesn't have to be that way, though. Yeah, but I wouldn't call it simple. But I would say there were and I wouldn't even call it safe. But he's just not going to make those throws. Sure. Tailoring it to his game is what they're gonna do. And I I don't key in on Alabama's offense like I do with Auburn's and evaluating it. I, I mean, I almost feel like I know the ins and outs of the Auburn offense, which people would say is simple, <laughs> which I, I would agree with you. I think the passing game's easy for a quarterback to pick up in Auburn's system. I think the offense has been easy for defenses to pick up against Auburn. I, I, I think that's just the truth. But also think when Auburn's got better players than their opponent it works and there's no stopping it either so Alabama's in the same boat here playing against Missouri I think that they're going to torch them regardless of what offensive game plan they've got I think they're going to torch them but you hit on something at the beginning of the segment when I asked you how we should watch this game you said that we should watch this game to look for the finer details to see how Alabama's improved in areas that they needed to from last year and also and I loved what you said about Mac Jones about where he's throwing the football how he's throwing it not that he completed the pass but where did he complete it at because his his receivers are going to have separation against Missouri quarterbacks. Yeah. Missouri quarterbacks, it's going to be like doing calculus to figure out how to how to stop Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith with those two guys on the field. And then whatever new Alabama wide receiver shows up onto the scene this year to make it three and four across that receiving core. Some of the other games, though, that I want to apply that philosophy to, because Auburn's the only top-half team in this league that's playing a team that could beat them. I guess you could say the same about Kentucky, but we don't include Kentucky amongst that group. Florida against Ole Miss, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Georgia, Arkansas, Tennessee, South Carolina. They've all got question marks, or at least I've got question marks for them that I'm going to be evaluating them against. The team amongst that four that doesn't cruise to victory, well, they just got exposed. And tough games happen next week for a lot of the teams in this league, including a Georgia as they take on Auburn. Auburn's already going to know what their weaknesses are after this week, and I think that that benefits Auburn 
going into next week because they at least know what they need to improve on. It could hurt Auburn, though, because Georgia knows what they can attack, right? Yeah. And Auburn may not have that film on a team like Georgia going into next week. And that's what I was going to say. So Auburn cannot sleepwalk through this game. Mm-hmm. It is the ultimate trap game, even though Kentucky's a top 25 team, and deservedly so a top 25 team. You have your second biggest rival coming up in the next week. This is going to be a – I don't – I know you're taking the Wildcats seriously – I'm not 100%. sure. I'm not sure everybody else is because you see the blue UK, and you think basketball, basketball, and you think win on the football field. But this is not the same program. This is not this. This isn't well. When November rolls around, if the Wildcats are if the basketball Wildcats are playing on the same day as the football Wildcats, we're just going to go to the basketball game. No, this is a this is a program that wants to get a statement win early, and Auburn can't sleepwalk through it. They, and then that rolls into next week. This is going to be a bruising, I think, physical-type ball game when they play Kentucky. And then it's going to be back-to-back bruising physical ball games the next week when you play Georgia. Auburn's got a lot to learn about itself. You win the Iron Bowl last year. You go play a Minnesota team who should not stack up athlete-to-athlete with you. They At, did. And they, and they did. Where I think Auburn... I feel like everybody's saying Alabama's got more question. Got a lot of question marks. I still feel like Definitely Auburn has not. a. Oh, they do. They're, is the defense going to be good enough? Is Mac Jones going to be good enough? To Alabama's play? questions though are: Is Jalen Waddle really as good as he is, or did he just rely on being the fourth target last year? There's a lot of questions outside of the offensive line. See, but the questions about Alabama is though no, nobody's sitting here saying that there's any one position group on Alabama's program that's not good. The questions about Alabama is are they above the beige line that defines a team as great or a championship contender? Y'all are in a different boat. Auburn's over here like, is our offensive line going to be good enough to give Bo Nix three seconds to pass, right? Or are we going to be able to run the football this year? When I'm watching Auburn this weekend, the questions I'm going to be looking at really all surround the offense because they're playing a good defensive team this week. Kentucky only allowed around 22 points a game last year, and I don't care what division you are in the in the SEC, that's still impressive at any point. They won eight games with a third-string quarterback, which was their wide receiver, right? They, they lost their starter and the backup, put a wide receiver in at quarterback, and still won a bowl game against a tough Virginia Tech team, went and won eight games. They've got the original starter back, who's pretty good. I don't think he's a great yep. passer in Terry Wilson. He's not. And this Kentucky, but they don't need him to be because he can run, and their rushing attack is good in itself. Cavosier smoke from your neck of the woods with Tomka. I mean, they've got some ballers on this team, almost said basketballers, right? But this Kentucky team is sneaky for Auburn, but I also think that the team's taking it seriously. Let's ask about Auburn the same question, though. Do we expect to see a simple approach or an intricate approach? I don't think Auburn can afford to be too simple this weekend because then Kentucky might beat you. You can't afford to be too laid back. Uh, laid back's not the right word. Simple is the perfect word. Your offense you cannot hide you, too much for Georgia next week. Can't be safe. Which is another reason why this this schedule is terrible. Georgia's not going to put anything on film this weekend. They're going to run the ball a ton. They're going to run over Arkansas just on sheer physicality in itself, and they've got better players. That doesn't mean that Georgia's a great football team this year. I, th- I think they're good. Don't know if they're great yet. But Auburn, they can't afford to hide anything this week. They might actually have to lay it out there. And then how do you adjust next week? Because Georgia's now got that on film. 
this is an unfortunate start to the year for Auburn. Even if they win, you're kind of already a foot behind Georgia as far as intel is concerned and scouting when you're going into next week. Georgia's, I, I think, a step ahead of Auburn on that side of the on that side of the coin. If you look up and down this Kentucky roster, they have guys that you heard about in recruiting cycles. They truly do. Smoke. They have smoke. I mean, they have Terry Wilson. They have a lot of guys that would have gone to Tennessee. If Tennessee wasn't so bad when they were being recruited, in that smoke would be at Auburn. I, yeah, like Cavosier exactly. smoke would start at Auburn this Absolutely. year. Absolutely, but they have guys from that South Ohio, Kentucky, North Tennessee area that said we're going to go to Kentucky as opposed to how bad Tennessee was when they were being recruited, and they have good players. And you're right, Auburn can't come out. I don't want to say they can't come out simple, but they can't come out conservative. They can't come out. This isn't a... That's the word I was looking for. They can't come out protecting Bo Nix. They can't come out being safe. They have to attack this Kentucky football team. They may not have to reveal a lot, but Nix is going to have to pass. They're going to have to pass. And Bo Nix, I know he didn't look great all the time last year. He looked great in the Iron Bowl, and he he looked okay to me against Minnesota. I just thought the defense collapsed, and a lot of guys were going to the NFL of that defense. Two of the best defensive linemen, maybe in the last 20 years in Auburn, come off that defensive line, Davidson and Derrick Brown. But he's always been asked, in Gus Malzahn's playbook of throws, they're all on the other side of the numbers, or they're all 50 yards down the field. They never throw to a tight end. They never like have the easy throw of the middle. They never have changing. the dink and dunk. And it's going to have to change, because you're not going, you're going to go 8-4, and four or 7-3 and three this year in the SEC by doing that, because you have just, at some point, Gus is so run, run, and we're going to hit the big one, and we're going to be in the red zone. That's not always how it works, especially against the best defensive coaches in college football that live in this conference. Also, what, what do defensive coaches say? Sideline's your friend. It's an extra defender. Absolutely. It, it creates a very small window for a quarterback to have to throw at. The sideline throw is one of the most difficult throws. It is the most difficult and throw And you have football. to be a great quarterback to do it. And Ponix can get there. But in his freshman year, those are, he was asked to make some tough throws. And is he better for it? Probably. But that's not even a situation that you want to put two or Joe Burrow in, you know, a lot. You want to have right. some dink and some donks and some – Bo Nix never got any. He never got any confidence throws. He's, never got into a groove. And I think it's going to be a lot more on his shoulders this year. The offensive line is going to be bad. They're going to be back in the early part of this year, especially in two weeks against Georgia. They're going to be facing a lot of second and sevens and a lot of third and eights. And Bo Nix is going to have to make throws. He's going to be forced to make throws. That's the first time I've disagreed with you in this segment. I don't think the offensive line is going to look good after the first two weeks I think that it's not going to be regarded as a a, it will be a top half unit in this league but there's a big difference between a top half unit and like a top three unit in this league a top half unit in the SEC on the offensive line doesn't keep the Georgias the Alabamas the LSUs the Floridas out of your backfield it keeps the Mississippi States out of your backfield I think they will struggle with pass protection against Georgia. I don't think they're really going to struggle with it against Kentucky. What I think is going to be leaps and bounds better this year, which will help Auburn and keep them out of those like second down and long, third down and longs. I think Auburn's going to be looking at a lot of third and fives, and Knicks will have well, to which complete is a, those. Third and five is now third. It's manageable, long, but it's still manageable. But it's still you would love third and three is your is your dream scenario. I think Auburn's going to be able to run the ball on the early downs. I, I love Brodarius Ham at right tackle. How can you not run behind someone who's three fifty? 
and just a absolute behemoth battering ram, right? And that's the exact size that Auburn would want at that exact position on the offensive line. Why? Because they love to get outside with buck sweeps and whatnot. I mean, I, I think it's going to work. If, if if you're Kentucky or Georgia, I still think when you're drawing this up, you're saying Bo Nix is going to have to beat us. 100%. You're not going to – you can't afford to let Gus Malzahn run the ball on you because by you're in the middle of the third quarter – you're exhausted, and then you're not stopping anything. And that's another thing working against Auburn and why the offensive line is probably not going to look great against these first two opponents. They probably are going to stack the box, and Auburn's going to have to be able to throw the ball to pull some of those guys out of it. They're going to need to pull the safety and the linebacker out of it and make them at least think twice about if something's coming over their head across the middle of the field. On the other side of this break, we got Speed Round presented by Lance Brown Allstate. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL. Did Tennessee jump the gun with Jeremy Pruitt's extension? Is Miami a contender in the ACC? What kind of challenges are facing the college football playoff committee this year? We've got that and more coming up on On the Line on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. Back on On the Line, Noel Gardner, Jeremy Law with you. It's time for Speed Round presented by Lance Brown Allstate. When it comes to protecting your most valuable possessions, talk to a real person, not some website. Give Allstate agent Lance Brown a call at 334-758-0088 today to make sure you get the coverage you need at a price you can afford. Are you in good hands? Same rules at all. as always. We've got a smorgasbord. Of questions here for you. We're going to run through them in about two to two to four minutes. I guess we'll explain. Expand we'll that, keep it at two. We'll try to. <laughs> here we go. We got five for you this week. Once again, speed round presented by Lance Brown Allstate. Jeremy, you ready to go? Ready to go. Question number one: What are your takeaways from the Patriots' performance on Sunday Night Football? Narrow loss to the Seattle Seahawks. Cam Newton getting stopped on the one yard line. You really hope, though, after his performance in that game. That the Bostonians, that the Boston people have welcomed in, welcomed him into the family because they were rejecting him when they first got him. The move, or some of them. The move has energized Cam Newton. The issue is how long can Cam Newton run this offense that he's running right now? It's also true because he is sliding, getting tackled, getting hit, and Bill Belichick knows he's got Cam for one year and he's going to use Cam for this year and. How banged up is Cam after this? Because we've seen a lot of guys leave a team they've been with for a while, re-energize their career, and then they float off because they just kind of wore down on them. I thought the Patriots looked good. Now, if there's not a, a fluky pick six, they're two scores down at the end of the game, and it's really not a ball game. But to do what the Patriots did in what is probably the best team in, I think they're the best team in the NFL right now in the Seattle Seahawks, I, I was very impressed, and that's a not a great Seattle defense right now, um, but they have the best player in, in the NFL over the first two weeks, and that's Russell Wilson. 100%. I would not disagree with anything that you said there. My takeaway is this looked like the Super Bowl. This looked like it could be a matchup that we could see at the, the end Browns. of the year. About the Browns. 
oh, hey, I think the Browns are just going to be happy to make it to the playoffs. I was looking at the schedule for the Browns, and I'll, I'll only touch on this for a second. At the beginning of the year, it looked pretty easy. The Steelers look really good this year. Yeah. I I should say really good. They look good. They haven't played any good team. They yet, look but they like look a good. They're a good team. They look they look like they could be the second best team in this division. Whatever happens between the Browns and the Steelers, that's probably going to decide the other playoff team. And then the Patriots, though, going back to that and, and shifting back, the Patriots. Cam went thirty for forty four. 397 yards, a touchdown and a pick. And the pick, it was a poor throw. Not necessarily a bad decision, poor throw. If it, it could have been construed as a bad decision, but I just think it was placement. If it hadn't been behind him, I don't think it gets picked off. I think it was Dunbar who got the interception for the Seahawks. I've never seen Cam throw this throw the ball this well in a in a full football game. No, he hit Julian Edelman a few times, and they were great throws. I've seen Cam make great throws. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league in 2015. Just didn't feel like at this volume. And but he's also got the best coach in the NFL. It's true. And I watched, um, I guess, the pregame show for that game for Sunday Night Football, and the guys were and the guys on the pregame show were telling us that this Seattle, they have. Jamal Adams. But other than that, they're just a little loose at linebacker. Not They don't have great corner play. They have one of the best safeties in the league. And that this is a game that Cam Newton could take advantage of that. And he did. But he's had a good first couple of weeks. They're 1-1. One one. It's still 14 more games on the schedule for Cam. And I just hate to see I, that he runs this much and takes this many hits. I don't know how that... Because you are a hit away. And he has been banged up. It is It almost ruined his career. He only had 11 carries this week. That's 11 carries That a is week. a lot. Yeah. But I think we see that number slowly but surely begin to decrease it a little bit. It has to. And I think he showed in this ball game. before we move on to the next one, I think he showed in this ball game that you can trust him in the pocket. I can trust him to throw the ball. Chris Collinsworth was talking about this a lot in the game, and I love the NBC broadcast. They do such a great job. Al Michaels, one of the last. Would you take those guys or Tony Romo and his guy? I'm taking Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. I love them, man. Yeah, they're they're so good. And, and Al Michaels is the last of the old guard of broadcasters. The Monday Night Football crew is now the worst crew. And I don't want to disparage anybody. I'm just saying, go How back did to what Brian Collinsworth. Greasy get on the Monday Night Football team? Come on. I just want to say what Collinsworth was saying was that he was picking apart, in a good way, he was analyzing Cam's mechanics. And I'm glad that he brought that out because it made me pay attention to it. Because in the span of a, in the, in the span of a football game, you're not going to sit there and pay attention to a quarterback's mechanics. But he really did have excellent mechanics. It was no longer throwing off the back foot and using just pure arm strength. He was actually just squared up and stepping into passes, and the accuracy really came a long way for it. I think if he continues to throw like that against opposing teams, he's gonna—he's not going to have to run the ball. This guy threw for 397. We need to get some touchdowns here, but 397, that's impressive. Question number two, we're going to revisit the Dak Prescott question after two weeks here. How do you feel about the boys after week two? You are down 20 points to the Atlanta Falcons, and you get a win. Everybody's after me. Everybody's after all the, the Dak Prescott haters, and I'm not a Dak Prescott hater. He is a good NFL quarterback. He's not a 30-plus million-dollar NFL quarterback. He throws for over 400 yards. He runs a touchdown or two, has a few more in the air. But when you're down 20, every NFL quarterback will throw for 400 yards if you're down 20 with four minutes to go in the first quarter. You will throw for 400 yards because you are going to throw 
almost every play. There'll be dink and dunks. There'll be shots down the field. Amari Cooper's making great plays. Zeke is making people miss in space. I mean, those guys are all on my fantasy team, and we had a great week. I was so proud of them. But Dak Prescott, it's it, you're the quarterback. You're kind of the reason you're down 20 to nothing. Down by 20 points. And, of course, you're going to put up numbers when you're down by that much. I don't think this proves anything about Dak Prescott. I don't think it says anything worse about him, but I don't also, also don't think that it says Dak Prescott is that I'm wrong about Dak. If Atlanta jumps on the onside kick, the game is over. Narrative and everybody, this whole narrative is different. If, the, if Dan Quinn could tell his team that you could touch an onside kick before 10 yards. Now I look wrong. No, I'm not. I'm not wrong. I think the better way for you to pitch this is that it's two games into the season. Let's see if Dak can get them to the playoffs. Because it's a really talented team, and when you look at the division they're in, they are better on their roster than every other team in that division. The other three teams in that division are horrible. They're horrible. They should it's make the, the worst best. division in football. If they don't win the division, it will be a colossal meltdown of a very talented Dallas Cowboys roster, and it may kill Jerry Jones if they don't win it this year. Absolutely. I, I can't believe they, – they're in the playoffs by default in my mind, especially after Saquon just had a torn oh, ACL. Oh, yeah, they're, they're bad. Giants Carson are in Wins trouble. Is bad and I just don't foresee the Eagles or the the Washington football team. I had to catch myself Say there. Redskins. <laughs> I can't. They're not named that anymore. Um, I would – I would I don't. I just don't think that they can compete with them. And so I almost would say that the Cowboys should have to win a playoff game this year for me to think that Dak's worth the money. Is when has making the playoffs been the benchmark Cleveland. for a thirty-five million dollar quarterback? Cleveland. Making the playoffs? No, I'm just saying. When? What other quarterback? I know. Car, listen, Carson Wentz. I don't think he should have gotten the money. Jared Goff has been to a Super Bowl. You know, like hey, there, there's other guys that. Carson Wentz was on a team that won the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, but who was this? Who's the guy? It was Nick Foles. Nick Foles, yes. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. Carson Wentz had a great led the team to a great record. He gets banged up. The win has making the playoffs slash winning one playoff game been the okay? We got to pay this guy because Lamar Jackson. If he doesn't win a playoff game, somebody's going to say, "Man, I don't know if we should pay this guy because eventually you got to you're you're getting paid to win." Getting paid to that's why Russell Wilson is super rich yeah. right now. And that's why Patty Mahomes is super rich right now. You're getting paid to win. Question number three. Miami football looked good against Louisville. That was such a fun game. I'm I'm so happy that college football back is at this degree. But are the Hurricanes a contender in the ACC? I just think they're so I think they're just far behind North Carolina and Clemson. I think that they're Notre Dame, you mean? Of course, they're far behind Clemson. Well, the two th- teams I think North them. Carolina is ahead of Notre Dame. I really do. Yeah. And I don't know about after this week. For, so, for me, I just don't know if they are – I just think that the gap is so big that I can't say Miami's a contender. I think they are a contender because there's not many contenders in the ACC. It's another one of those Dallas Cowboys things where the, the league isn't good. So – they're the fourth best team in the league right now. I'll agree with you. I think they're honestly they've they've played better teams than North Carolina. And so I all and the way that they've looked against those teams, at least on offense, was more impressive than UNC. 
But because I had UNC in preseason predictions in the ACC championship, I'll at least keep UNC ahead of Miami for the time being. But after two games, Miami looks really good. The ACC's got virtually no contenders. So considering they're the fourth best team in the league, I'll say they're a contender because they're right there with them. And I think they're going to ride that train all year long. Here's the thing. Miami beat UAB differently than they beat Louisville. Derek King against UAB had 24 pass attempts, 144 yards, a touchdown. He ran the ball 12 times for 83 yards. Against Louisville, he ran the ball eight times for nine yards, but he had over 300 passing yards and three touchdowns. He, he looked completely different. And the offense, while it didn't look completely different, it showed me that Derek King, that Derek King can throw the football. That, that when they need them to do it, they're going to. Now, Louisville, we said last week on the picks, they don't have a good defense. But most of the teams in the ACC, their defenses are at the same quality or worse than what Miami faced against Louisville this past weekend. The question about De'Aaron King will be, will he do it against the North Carolinas, the Clemsons, and the Notre Dames? And I don't think Miami's good enough, of course not, to beat Clemson. But I definitely think I would love to see Miami-Notre Dame. I would love to. I, I, the Miami-North Carolina game is now going to be a phenomenal ball game. I think that they're right there with those two other teams for that second spot in the ACC this year. Rhett Lashley's in his group. This Miami offense is legit. The defense is the thing that's going to come around a little. But I was also impressed with Louisville, though. I thought Malik Cunningham looked very good at quarterback. I, I, w- I would love to see that guy play for another team in the a- SEC I mean, I'd love to see him play for my team in the SEC, not against me, but that's not happening, of course. I, I like You asked me this question before the show. Would I want Malik Cunningham or Bo Nix? I think Malik Cunningham is a better passer than Bo Nix right now. I think Bo Nix's trajectory one day will get him there, but I do. I think I, I watched that guy make some legit throws against Miami on Saturday night. You saw it, too. If you watched that game, watched, you saw him make some great throws. I watched the throws. whole game. He made great throws, but you can make great throws – against a bad defense, and it looks like great throws. But Miami's defense isn't great. He was making tough throws, though. <laughs> i just not going to take him confident. over. You told me you'd take him over Mac Jones, Bo Nix. 100%. You were like, you're cra- <laughs> I just think you're crazy. I, when, you, when you say that, I just think that that's just – I just – I imagine him in – I imagine him as the Alabama quarterback, and I think, would he look as good or better than Mac Jones? Yes. I do. If he looks that good I think wearing Jones Cardinal red, he'll think, look that good wearing crimson. Okay. You know it's true. <laughs> Did Tennessee jump the gun with Jeremy Pruitt's extension? Yes. I think this team definitely on an upward trajectory, but it would not shock me if this team only won six games this year, lost all the important ones. I, I mean, look at their schedule. They play five games that are losable. I'll pull it up in a second and run through them, but this Tennessee team, they're not going to be leaps and bounds ahead of where they were last year, but I definitely think they can – eat it and not have the slow start that they had well, last year. I think they, they'll still be good. They but. play Alabama, they play Auburn, they play Georgia, Texas they play Florida, A&M. and they play Texas A&M. That's five right there that they can I mean, lose. And I don't know if they're better than any of those teams right now. I don't think they're better than any of those teams right now. But I don't think you jumped the gun. This is the world that we're in in college football. You win, you get an extension. You get a, you, Every coach gets like a two-year extension every yes, two years. Won, they won six. They won their last six. They I'll won give him. seven of their last eight. Yeah, I mean, but I still won. don't think they won. They were against the worst teams the league had to offer. I get it, but I think that I think they're on an upward trajectory. And now, with negative recruiting being where it is, 
If you don't give a coach an extension, just imagine you're being recruited by a coach who's on the last year of his contract. You can't do that. You can't go out and recruit these days because you're going to coach. You're going to play for a coach. I don't think Nick Saban could be at Montana State. He'd land some of the best players in the country. So you think this is a recruiting move? Well, I think every time a coach gets an extension that really hasn't, quote-unquote, earned an extension and a $400,000 raise that Jeremy Pruitt got, which is absolutely nothing when you're in the grand scheme of how much Tennessee Athletics makes. Maybe not now. But you're doing it for multiple reasons. I think they believe in Jeremy Pruitt. But also think that you have to have some longevity in your coach's contract or you just get put under behind the eight ball on the recruiting trail. Well, are you shocked that they gave an extension during this time of uncertainty no, in collegiate kid- athletics? No. Listen, Where's the money coming from, the though? T- the SEC's TV deal is with ESPN is phenomenal. When this deal ends with CBS, somebody – got to realize they're barely making what, what looks like ends meet with the CBS TV deal they have. That thing is going to – be probably close to like the Monday night football contract when this is all said and done. Yeah. And that's where a lot of money's going to come. The SEC ain't heard for money. we got to hurry through. Last question. Greg Sankey said the college football playoff committee faces a number of challenges in selecting this year's field. What challenges do you anticipate them having to face? Common opponents, the strength of schedule, the this team started later than this team and they didn't play as many games, the <clears throat> big time. The way exactly they how are you going to compare football teams because this is all eye test everything is an eye test I wish that they just make it eight teams this year just say hey whatever test run for eight teams in the future because this is all eye test we're going to take two teams from the four major conferences that are playing and let's put them in there and now you kind of already do that with the championship games but they're not going to cancel the championship games because the conferences now do kind of need that money I think that those are just three or four of the real challenges that they are going to face when it comes to selecting teams for the what the eighth college football playoff. It's probably too late for them to say that they're going to move to eight teams considering the season's already began, but I'm with you. You know, the NIT tournament is the is the guinea pig in the NCAA for rule changes and whatnot, this year could be the guinea pig for what an eight-team playoff would look like in college football or a six-team playoff even. I I would be all for a six-team playoff. They didn't play as many games this year, so health concerns aren't an issue. You played less games, so there's definitely room at the end of the year. There's probably not going to be as many bowl games either. More money, chances for these teams to in these conferences to recoup some of their losses. I think it's a good idea what you just said, but I don't think that they're going to do it because no, I, I, think the ship's so, I think the ship has sailed. They, that's something that they may have could have gotten in front of just this year as an emergency. But then again, we don't know the we don't know the extent of their contracts and whatnot because they're on a contract right now. We just don't know any of that information because it's not outright public. So that's it for Speed Round brought to you by Lance Brown Allstate. When it comes to protecting your most valuable to a real person, not some website. Give Allstate agent Lance Brown a call at 334-758-0088 today to make sure you get the coverage you need at a price you can afford. Are you in good hands? We got picks coming up on the other side of this break. Jeremy and I are tied up. We'll see how that rolls out this week. You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. This is On the Line. 
Wrapping up the show on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you. It's time for our picks, and we've got a gauntlet on Saturday today for you. Finally, a good schedule, a good slate of games. Right now, Jeremy and I's record on the year, I'm 8-1. Jeremy's 8-1. He edged me by a game in the first week. I got him last week when we tied it up. The only one we deferred on, Georgia Tech, UCF. What was the game I missed in week one? Florida State, Georgia Tech. Yeah. GT, man. I kind of went Georgia Tech two weeks in a row. I was trying to ride a hot train there. Broke your back in week two. Are, are, you, a, are you still a yellow jacket this year? Because I know you're kind of like, Woo. I'm off the rambling wreck, buddy. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, man. Wreck tech right there. Let's get through it. Here we go. We got a nice slate here. I think we got 12 or 13 games this week. Some of them are going to be easy to pick. Some of them going to be a little bit more uh, a little bit more ambiguous. Number five, Florida at Ole Miss, 11 a.m. on ESPN. Florida, but not as big as you think it's going to be, I don't think. I think with we still don't know who the quarterback is for Florida. They haven't named a starter. You have Lane Kiffin. A lot of people, but it's still, it's it's or. It is or. It's John Rice, Pumbley, or the other you, guy. Well, you said quarterback at Florida. I mean, excuse me, the quarterback at Ole Miss. My <laughs> apologies. Like, yeah, we know who that guy is. Kyle Trask, he's one of the best in the league. But uh, Lane Kiffin is yet to name a QB. So I'm going to say that it's going to be John Rice Plumbly because he gives you something that I don't think you've really seen in the SEC since Johnny Manziel, just a pure ability to run the football, make people miss from the quarterback position. He's the fastest quarterback I've seen in yeah, this league. Yeah, I mean, he other is. Other than maybe Nick Marshall. He is good, but he also does. I don't think he gives you what Lane Kevin wants down the field, but I think you got to play him. That's what Matt Corral yeah. still doesn't give you, but it's, he has a better shot. I like, I like Florida, but I don't think as big as a lot of people think this one might be. I think this one plays into Florida's strength on defense, which is their run defense. Their front seven is going to be as good as anybody's in this league other than maybe Georgia's. But then again, everybody could be hyping up Georgia's defense a little bit too much. I'm watching this game. Florida's going to win, by the way, and we'll move on quickly. But I think I'm watching this game more intently. Of all the games that I think are going to be you know, one-sided in this league this weekend, because there's a lot of them, I'm watching this game because I think Ole Miss's rushing attack could put a dent in some defenses in this league, and this is a good defense that they're playing against. Do they do that against Florida? And if they do, they, they ought to be able to do it against Auburn, Alabama. They did it against Alabama last year. I mean, they ought to be able to do it against the other tough teams on their schedule. So watch this game for that one, but Florida's going to win. Number two, we'll go ahead and get the Auburn one out of the way. 23, Kentucky at number eight, Auburn. Auburn's 10.5-point favorites, which I think is extreme. I didn't expect that line to be that high. I mean, I think Auburn should probably win by that much, but I'm just shocked that it's that high. 11 a.m. on SEC Network. I gave my pick already, so I'll just go ahead and go through it. Auburn's going to win this game. I think Chad Morris brings some new concepts to the offense. I don't think they're going to be overly conservative. I still think if it's on the spectrum, it's still a little bit more conservative than it is aggressive. But I do think it's a more explosive offense, a little bit more intricate than we've seen in the past. I'm expecting a more refined performance from Bo Nix because Chad Morris is a quarterback whisperer. Both teams are run first, but I give Auburn the edge in the passing game. I am so tired of hearing that Chad Morris is a quarterback. Taj Boyd better. Worked out at SMU. Things just went poorly at Arkansas. Taj Boyd was a good quarterback, and Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback that has ever played at Clemson in history. And you haven't heard of this guy since. Chad Morris, he took the the Arkansas program into a place where it is – Probably hasn't been in decades, and the most horrible place it could have been in. I think someone else did that before. Yeah, but I'm just saying. <laughs> he just picked up the dumpster I don't, fire. I'm not so sure that Chad, Chad Morris is a good offensive coordinator. I'll take Auburn in the game. I'll take Kentucky with the points. I don't think sure. that Auburn wins by I respect that. I think it's a 7-10 it's a to 10 point game. 10.5 is a lot for a noon, well, 11 a.m. central kick. 
Yeah, my, the only reason – I think the only difference between these two teams is Auburn's going to be able to throw the ball better than Kentucky I agree will. with that. I yeah. think that's the difference. Next one. This is going to be a fun one in the ACC, but I, I think one of these teams is going to get exposed. Number 24, Louisville at number 21, Pittsburgh. Panthers are a three-point favorite at home, 11 a.m. on ACC Network. Does Louisville lose two in a row? You Definitely love their not. quarterback. I don't think they lose two in a row. Listen, their quarterback is good. Pittsburgh, to me, for a for the last 15 years has been – who? Every time you say Pittsburgh, you think Steelers. I mean, where are these guys been? They've beaten Clemson a, a, a time or two, but I don't think Louisville loses two in a row. And if this is – the point spreads to me are still showing the home team a lot of favor, but there's nobody in the stands. It's just like it's – it's a glorified scrimmage. I know you get maybe get some points for travel, but this is a this is a spring game type of atmosphere yeah. right now in college football. I like Louisville in the game. I'm gonna take Louisville in this one. I think the Cardinals got exposed last week. They're going to do the exposing this week. Pittsburgh being ranked, they're not a top 25 team in any other year of college football with the way that they played. Didn't look overly impressive against Syracuse last week. Only scored 21 points against the Orange, and and that's not good at all. Cunningham, we already talked about him, had 307 passing yards last week, three touchdowns. Tutu Atwell is probably one of the better receivers in the ACC. I like Louisville in this one. I think they're going to. I think they're going to throw the ball all over Pittsburgh in this one. Mississippi State at number six, LSU, 2:30 p.m. on CBS. I'm taking Mississippi State. Yeah, yeah, Mississippi State. I've said this all summer long. I picked this one out when the schedule came out. I said Mississippi State's going to upset LSU in week one. You're overrated with the sheer volume of players that you lost. Auburn started out 2011 ranked 23rd in the media poll. LSU starts out sixth after they won the national championship. You lose a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Auburn didn't even lose their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. LSU lost both of those. They lost 75% of their rushing attack. They lost 16 starters. 75% of their receiving yards, 90-plus percent of all passing yards. They've had tons of guys opt out, including their best receiver. The guys are – I just – I don't know. I don't want to pick with you on this one. we got to change it up a little bit because we're down the board right now. This is the safe one to go away from me on, though. Yeah, I like it. I still think LSU can win this game because they, they do recruit well, and they have better athletes than what Mississippi State has. But LSU, is don't they don't have a deep roster either. If I know I keep saying home games don't matter. If this was at Mississippi State, really, I might, I might pick Mississippi State. But it's at LSU. I just don't see it going that way. I'm just expecting 21-21, 17-17, gross game. Both offenses look inept. And Mississippi State looks inept because LSU's defense is still going to be good. Yeah. LSU's offense looks inept because it's actually inept. And nasty game late in the fourth quarter. What if it's raining down there? It's kind of a nasty weekend well, LSU here, too. LSU wins that one. Mike Leach, who you trust in? Mike Leach, air raid guy with a good quarterback in K.J. Costello, or are you going to take first-year starter who's lost everything around him and his head coach is Ed Orgeron? I'm going to be taking passing game guru – with his West Coast quarterback to make the plays in the ball game when it counts, because at the end of the day, the quarterback's going to be the difference in this one. So I like State, but I know you like State too. But it is the safe pick. If if we're playing the game here, records wise, if I'm wrong, that that that's this is me jumping out there. Number eight, Texas at Texas Tech, two thirty p.m. on Fox. Ellinger he continues his Heisman campaign. This should be a win for Texas. The guy can. The guy can sling it. Now, can he do it against great defenses down the road? Or well, he's not going to see many. But can he do it in a college football playoff? Can he beat Oklahoma more? Can he beat Oklahoma when it counts more? Rather, um, I like Texas. I like Texas, and I like them. 
I like them big. It's a blowout. It yeah. could be UTEP like from last mm-hmm. week. Texas Tech only beat Dallas Baptist by two. You know how many passing yards, or not passing yards, total yards Texas Tech gave up last week to Dallas Baptist? How many they gave up? Yeah, you know how many yards they gave up to Dallas Baptist last week? 400. 600. I see. I didn't even know. I don't know anything about this game, but Sam Ellinger and Tom Herman are going to run the score Have a blast, right? Texas. West Virginia at number 15, Oklahoma State, 2.30 p.m. on ABC. A lot of people are picking Oklahoma State to be a sleeper in the college football playoff. Now, I'm not going that far with it, but Oklahoma State with Chuba Hubbard, they're going to win this game, and they're going to win this game handily. That With all the issues that somehow that they had, it looks like that this is just a really talented team. If these guys can come together, I think that they could have a shot at the Big 12. They're, Oklahoma's going to win the Big 12, by the way. But they can have a shot to win it. It's not officially out whether or not Oklahoma State's quarterback is going to play this game or not. He got injured last week, like first series or something like that, to his shoulder, I believe is what it was. Or no, no, I think he's in a boot. I think he's in a boot. Maybe I shouldn't talk about injuries if I don't know the exact extent of the injury. But he's hurt. He's, he's hurt, and we don't know if he's going to play. And if he doesn't play, I'm for sure taking West Virginia. If he does play, I'm still taking West Virginia. I like this Mountaineer team. I think they've looked impressive. I did not like what I saw from Oklahoma State last week against Tulsa without their QB. Their backup's no good. Chuba Hubbard didn't have a great day. wasn't right. overly efficient. I think West Virginia's going to be able to key in on it if Spencer, Sander does, Spencer Sanders doesn't play for Oklahoma State. I like West Virginia in this one, even if he does play, because I still don't think he's that great of a quarterback, but they need their guy at QB if they're going to stand a chance. I don't feel great about it if he does play. You're pinning yourself in a hole right here. I'm going for it, man. I'm going for a lead this week. I, 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 this West Virginia team looks better than it did last year. I'm going Mountaineers in this one to make a statement. Home games don't matter, right? 22 Army at 14 Cincinnati, 2.30 on ESPN. Army. Oh, no. Army. I like... <laughs> I know I crawl, crawl back in. I know Cincinnati. This is just feels like one of those games that Army can win. The triple option, getting down and dirty. Not against a Power 5 team here. Not against a Power 5 team in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's going to have better athletes but your athletes really don't even matter when it comes to this. It's can you stop the option? And I'm going out on a limb, and I'm taking Army. I'm taking Cincinnati for the lone reason that Army's quarterback has thrown two passes What is that this different, year? though? I mean, it, I think they haven't had to pass the football yet because they've played Middle Tennessee State and ULM, and they've destroyed both of them, and they've ran easily. I still don't think they're going to be able to throw the football, though, in this game when it matters. And, and look, triple option coaches will tell you, and Sulacaga has had a triple option coach in the past, you still got to be able to throw the ball, right? Still got to be able to throw the ball to win a ball, to win a game. You're right. And I don't think that they have prepared themselves with only two passing attempts this year to be able to throw the football game when it matters. It, that, that, that's not really how the triple option works. It's you throw the football on your terms. And they that's will, a good point. This is the week that Army steals a couple. not Maybe not touchdowns on passing plays, but puts you inside the 10 and then have fun stopping the veer, baby. Alabama at Missouri, second-ranked second Crimson Tide, 6 p.m. on ESPN. Tigers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alabama, Alabama, big. I think they cover. Part of me, think they cover? we should have made this one a, a bet. Our bet should be if Alabama covers or not. Yeah. And I, I think it was 27. It, when 27. I looked at it, the first one was 26 and a half, and I think that's the one I took with my bookie. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Alabama and the points. See, you say that, 
42-17 looks like they covered, right? But they didn't. It's only 25 points. Yeah. I don't like this line at all. This one makes me cower, but Alabama does win. Vanderbilt at number 10, Texas A&M. A&M, this, one, this line's even worse. 31 points to the Aggies, 6.30 p.m. on SEC Network alternate. Texas A&M has opt-outs, but everybody could opt out, and Jimbo Fisher could play quarterback, and the rest of his team could be his assistant coaches, and they would still win this game against Vanderbilt. I like the Aggies as well. Question is, though, will A&M cruise? And if not, why? This is one of those also to watch out for, like how good is this team really? Number 16, Tennessee at South Carolina, 6.30 p.m. on SEC Network. I love the South Carolina quarterback's hair. He looks like... Helensky. Hey, well, Helensky's not the starter. He's not? No, the other guy is. The hair guy. The one I'm talking about. He looks like a mix of Jake Fromm and uh, Steven Garcia. Oh, that's right. How have I forgotten that? So Why would Helensky not start? But I like, great. I like Tennessee. I, I don't like Tennessee overall, but I like Tennessee in this game. I think Jeremy Pruitt's the type of coach that once he can get his team on a winning trajectory, I really think that he can stay there and beat beat the teams that he's supposed to beat. And we can both agree he's supposed to win this game. Go Big Orange. Tennessee won seven their last guy. eight. I, I do you. like them. You're a Tennessee and an Auburn guy. <laughs> Tennessee won seven of their last eight. South Carolina lost five of its last six. They were going in different directions, and they're going to keep going in those directions this year. Go big, Orange. Last game, Florida State at number 12, Miami, 6.30 p.m., ABC. Florida State is a is just bad, bad. Coach has Rona. He can't even coach. He can coach Zoom call in, I guess. Miami is going to embarrass Florida State, I think. And Pick I'm not, against the spread again. I think they are going to run them out of the house. Give me Miami. Hurricanes are 11-point favorites. That's too low. That is too low. That's a line I'd, t- I'd hop on right there. Miami wins. That does it for another edition of On the Line. Jeremy Law, Noah Garner, back with you next week. Same time, same place. You know where to find us. God bless, everybody. Thanks for listening to On the Line, a product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net.